Hey guys, welcome to The Journey of Ruth, a discipleship podcast where we encourage listeners to love Jesus, study his word, and reach others. I'm your host, Courtney Lohman. My guest today is April Sweers. April is a wife, mother, Bible study writer and teacher, podcaster, and fellow Bible nerd. (laughs) April is the host of the Her God Speaks podcast, where she takes listeners through studies of various books of the Bible. She's an amazing follow on Instagram. In fact, that's the first place that I found her. And she has an amazing ability to take hard topics like theology and doctrine and throw a comedic twist to them. So today, we're going to talk about doctrine. And it might sound deep and serious, but instead we're talking about Christian doctrine for the everyday believer. And of course, we're adding some humor in there. We also talk about what to do if you begin to rethink some of the doctrine that you may have grown up with or learned as a child, and why discipleship and community are so important for developing sound doctrine. Before I move on, I want to thank you so much for your kind words and your congratulations about our 100th episode. It really is a big accomplishment, and I'm pretty proud that we made it here. As we look forward to the next 100 episodes and big goals on the horizon for the journey of Ruth, can I ask that you consider supporting the podcast? The support of listeners just like you helps provide the means to fulfill these big dreams God has given us. And I would love to have you along to see how God is going to use our platform. Financial supporters for the podcast help pay for the hosting of our website, our email, and audio. They help support upkeep of necessary technology to get this thing to you. And funds help with the setup of our soon-to-come merch store and Journey of Ruth events. I cannot wait to share both of those with you. Now, you can support the podcast with a one-time gift given through Venmo or Cash App or, hey, even check. Or you can become a patron over at patreon.com. Patrons receive episodes with no advertisements, access to special Patreon-only Zoom chats, and coming up, patrons will also receive a special discount code to use during the launch of our merch store. You can become a patron for just $5 to $10 a month. It seems like so little, but it makes a huge difference. You can go to patreon.com slash journeyofruth to find more information and join today. With that, I'm so excited for you to hear my conversation with April Swears. Well, I am extremely excited to be here with April Swears. April, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. I'm very excited. I have done some podcast interviews. I've never been interviewed. So this oh, is really? super exciting for me. And the fact that it's being videoed, like usually when I'm behind this microphone, it's five in the morning and I'm in my PJs <laughs> and I look very five in the morning-ish. So, <laughs> well, it's if really you're fun. like some other podcasters, then you've got a beautiful ruffled, you know, eyelet shirt on, but you've got pajama pants on underneath. <laughs> I almost did. But I was like, what if I have to get up? So I did put on jeans. <laughs> Because you never know. That's true. You know, in the first week that I started doing video, I thought no one would see my feet. So my first few interviews, my in-person interviews, like I just didn't wear shoes. Uh I thought it would, "Mm, nope, you could see my feet. And I was like, oh, (laughs) no, to self, wear shoes. (laughs) Oh, that's so great. But you created a nice and relaxing vibe for your listeners. Right, exactly. Like go go take your shoes off, grab your coffee. I love it. Let's talk. Yeah, seriously. Well, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I'm a wife to my husband, Greg. We've been married for actually had to do the calculations. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, 19 years. We have two boys. 
So my oldest is 13 and then we have an eight-year-old. We live right outside of Tampa, Florida, where Mm -hmm. I have lived my entire life. So I have a few Florida natives. Uh, I was raised in a wonderful Christian home. Both of my parents are followers of Jesus, came to know Jesus at a very young age. And I fell in love with the Bible somewhere around, I don't know, I think eighth or ninth grade. Um, I've taught Bible study in my local church for about 20 years now, which makes me feel really old, (laughs) uh, but it's my favorite thing in the, the whole world. Um, I just love, I love to teach the Bible to women, uh, on a more shallow note. I love coffee. Yes. A full-blown addict at this point. (laughs) Uh, I actually had blood work done the other day and I thought it would be okay to schedule it at 10 a.m. And I, oh. by then I had the most raging headache. I thought, oh my goodness, I have a Because you had to like fast before you <laughs> did it, right? Fast. It was fasting blood work. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So no coffee. And apparently I'm very dependent on it. Um, <laughs> Next yeah. time you'll be there at like 5 a.m. knocking on the window. <laughs> yeah. When it opens, I will be there for sure. Um, so in my like if I have any free time, I'd like to tell you that I like sit and pound out some reading, but I love to just sit and watch reruns of the office <laughs> in my bed. <laughs> and, um, I love, I love to travel to great hiking destinations mm-hmm. since we're not really known for that here in Florida. Yeah. And, um, right now I'm eating way too many Cadbury mini eggs because tis the, tis the season for those little crunchy, delicious balls of milk chocolate. I like the Robin's eggs. Do you? I like yes. those too. Yes. I like those too. And those always had a prominent place in my Easter basket growing up. My mom faithfully, the little carton that looks like a milk carton. Yes. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I limit myself to one of the small ones. Nice. Yes. Easter every. breakfast. That's what we have every <laughs> Easter morning before church. <laughs> Who needs boiled eggs? Let's have <laughs> Robin's eggs. That's right. The boiled <laughs> eggs are for later. That's right. Oh. That's right. Oh, that's so great. Now you guys just came back from a great trip to a hiking destination. We Where did, did you guys go? We did. We went up to the Olympic uh, Peninsula in Washington state. Okay. So they have some of those just epic Pacific Northwest beaches, Rialto yeah. Beach, Ruby Beach. And then we went to the whole rainforest and did some hiking there. And um, I'm the one in my family that loves hiking. The other three tolerate the hiking, but they're great troopers. So we had a, we had a wonderful time. It was great. Awesome. I'm the weirdo that escaped the gorgeous Florida weather to go to the rainy, cold <laughs> Pacific Northwest. Yeah. But yeah, I get fun. it. Okay. So you're in Florida uh-huh. and I'm in Arizona where okay. people like flock to for, yeah. you know, spring break. And we're like, well, we'd really like to leave for spring break. Exactly. You, know? you just wanted somewhere different. Yeah. yeah. We like go to the mountains up north where it's like still cold or there still might be snow, you know? Right. Because that's yeah. fun. It's different. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. It is. So Arizona, Sedona is where my family was when the pandemic like hit the fan, right? Like we really? were up spring break. <laughs> we were those people that went to Arizona for spring break. Uh-huh. And yeah. Our last stop was the Grand Canyon and they like started to shut down the Grand Canyon. Like it was, yeah. crazy. it was, yeah. Oh we my didn't gosh. know home and yeah, it was wild. Did so, you guys, uh, were you able to fly home? We got our flight, we got home and then like the world shut down. So yeah. yeah. Crazy. Oh my gosh. That's well, yeah. Cause it was right around spring baked break time for everyone here. You know, it was like, we went for spring break and never went back. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, same. Yeah. So, 
so wild. I know, so wild. Um, well, you have, so I actually found you, I followed you on Instagram long before I asked you to come on the podcast. And one of the things that I loved, so you are um, on Instagram, you're at um, Her God Speaks, right? Her God Speaks, uh-huh. Yes, um, which is also the name of your podcast that yes. you have. And I loved your reels. And I think... <laughs> It seems like from other posts that you put up that there are a lot of people that found you that way. Um, yes. Your reels, you go funny with like things that I don't know are taken seriously in the church, and then yeah. you you kind of have a funny perspective. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. that's so yeah. funny, or oh, that's so true. I, I've thought that for years and never seen anyone else like admit it. You know, um, so right. can you talk about? Uh, her God Speaks, your podcast, and um, kind of what that's all about. How did that come to be? And um, what is it? Yeah. So the podcast came, that idea came long before Instagram. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of, and then reels were such a weird, I, I, just, <laughs> I hesitated for so long because I I do have a really funny, silly, goofy side to me, mm-hmm. but I always wonder, does the, is the world going to think that it's... <laughs> Or are people going to stop listening to me because now they think that I'm a heretic? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, um, so anyway, it kind of started where the podcast started is, um, actually with my local church. So I was hearing from more and more women that they would love to come to Bible study, but for whatever reason, there's like a thousand reasons. They just couldn't Uh make the meeting time. So I just thought, well, let's, we should start a podcast and put the lessons up on the podcast. They can access them. And then in between studies, you can do all kinds of fun stuff. Um, this platform is just so flexible and so much you can do with it. And so I did that, um, Uh that ended up hitting some roadblocks. Our church was just going through some transition. And so I had to decide whether to just kind of let that go or start my own podcast, which Looking back now, it seems silly what a hard decision it was at the time, but my ministry philosophy has always been very connected to the local church. And so Mm. this idea of starting a ministry outside of my local church was just, I had to wrestle through some things Mm. uh, with that, but kind of came to the conclusion that God's given me this gift of teaching. I've got decades worth of content just sitting on my computer, hard drive, <laughs> right? And I know you, 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 te- you do Bible yeah. teaching. You have yeah. it all there. In addition to the stuff that I'm, you know, new stuff I'm teaching and writing. And so the Her God Speaks podcast kind of became um, my best attempt to steward that well. Mm. For- up of the body of Christ in this particular season of my life. And it has been the most fun. Like I, I mean, we've only done like three by it's a Bible study podcast. So we've done about three series and I'm just, I'm having a blast doing it. So that's kind of how it morphed into that. And then of course, Instagram comes along as a way to promote your podcast Mm -hmm. and has just become this wonderful outlet for me to, um, just another platform to share, some of the things that I'm learning, some of the resources that I love. And yes, reels have become a great kind of, um, kind of the front door, you know, kind of an on-ramp, like they're yeah. fun and light. And yeah. I love to make people smile. I, one of my biggest pet peeves is when theology or Bible study is boring and rigid and cold. <laughs> and <feral>. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I just, it's been, it's been a wild ride. Mm. Um, learned a lot of things. <laughs> 
I was very Instagram ignorant when I started. Let's say that. Oh my gosh. Um, oh, me too. Yeah. Like all I did was post pictures of my kids. Right. And <laughs> yes. then I'm like, oh, wait, like I have to. Now, the funny thing is when I post pictures of my kids, people like those sometimes more than the podcast stuff. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah. But it was I, I it was a different way of looking at social media, you know, mm -hmm. using it as a way of like getting information out about the podcast or, you know, topics that we're talking about or focusing on other organizations that we're spotlighting, whatever it might be. Yeah. But it was definitely a, a different perspective. I have a question about your uh, you said I thought this was going to be something I would do with the church mm -hmm. and then it just wasn't a good fit. Right. And I think sometimes people get discouraged if they go to their leadership and say, I think we need to do this. And their their response is, um, you know, that's just not the direction our church is going. You know, I know I've gone in with some really big ideas before to leadership. And my prayer has always been, God, just like uh, check my heart, you know, like because they know the direction that you are taking this church because they're spending that time in prayer. How did you deal with those emotions and how, I mean, there, there's definitely some thoughts that probably came of like, oh, well, maybe I'm not supposed to do this. Maybe I, maybe I heard wrong. So what was it that helped you pursue and keep going beyond like when your church said, I just don't know that that's for us right now. Right. Um, that's a great question. And it was, I mean, it was truly like, when I think back to the last couple of years, one of the hardest, um, things to hear, mm -hmm. thankfully, um, like there is no villain in my story. There's, there's just the best intentions. Um, our guy who's in charge of media is just the most lovely person ever <laughs> has cheered her. God speaks on from the very beginning. Um, so that was helpful, but yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't come home and, and cry those tears to my husband and say, I, I just really thought this was a good, helpful thing. And, um, you know, it was hard at the time to see, you know, why it hit such a, a wall, you know, mm -hmm. and then just, uh, yeah, it, I just personally had to wrestle with, is it okay to do ministry outside my local church? Mm -hmm. I just, and, and some people don't have that issue. I did. I did. Yeah. Um, and so I sought some wise counsel, um, and prayed it through and finally came out the other side. Now I'm extremely risk averse. I'm a fearful person in general, as far okay. as I'm, I'm like, think of your like visionary dreamer and then think of the complete opposite of that person. And I'm the complete opposite <laughs> of that person. So that was also working against me. Okay. Um, so I had kind of the, had to work out ministry philosophy and then I had to fight against my own, uh, timidity in, mm. in I just assume everything I do is going to fail. And like, I could go to therapy and work through that. I probably need to, but <laughs> uh, I, I just approach life from that angle. And so, yeah. um, I, you know, I thought, you know what, I cannot be brave, but I can surround myself with people who are brave mm -hmm, for me mm -hmm. and will cheer me on. And that's exactly what I did. And I had like three or four people that I allowed to speak into this, um, that, uh, help push me into it. And wow. I'm so thankful, like, but it was that, um, bringing other people into all the fears and all the disappointment and all the, you know, all the stuff. And, um, and the very church that, you know, people, it's, it just wasn't going to work. They were, they were also speaking in and cheering me on. So, mm -hmm. it, yeah. it, um, but, I, but I'd be lying. Said it wasn't, it was, it was hard not to take it personally. It was, I, yeah. I, 
all those insecurities and all those things. But um, yeah, I just pray it through. You seek wise counsel, you invite people into the process and God is so faithful to lead us in, in the next step. So what has God taught you about doing ministry alongside the church? Well, one thing he's taught me is that if I'm not doing it in my church, there's no overflow to do it outside. So I've really gotten mm-hmm. to see where um, I do have, I guess we should call it a parachurch ministry. Her God Speaks is not affiliated with the church, but I have nothing to say uh, to my podcast listeners if I'm not actually in relationship with women in my local church, teaching them face-to-face, hearing their stories, integrating with their lives. Um, my Isaiah study is a really good example. So I taught the book of Isaiah in my local church last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and some things just were too, I was too complicated, too wordy, too, some lessons were too long. It didn't, re- you know? And so- Some of us Bible nerds have that problem. <laughs> yes. I, I will never be accused of being too, uh, too short. Yeah. In my, yeah. In me my too. <laughs> yeah. So that is really beautiful to be able to take that feedback and create the series for the podcast. That is like mm-hmm. so much better than it was mm-hmm. when I originally taught it. And those women helped me make it better. Like, yeah, they don't know they did. Um, they didn't sign up for that, but so there's this beautiful, um, connectedness to what I do in my local church and you know, what ends up on the podcast and quality of what ends up on the podcast is intricately dependent on, um, my, you know, my, my service, my willingness to integrate with my own people and my own place. Yeah. Mm. I love that idea that you're kind of using that using is a bad word, but, um, allowing those women to inform what you're then going to to put out in your, you know, her God speaks, um, right. allowing those women to, uh, you know, you're, you're being vulnerable with those women. So it seems like you're, you find importance in that local church community because that is a place where you can be vulnerable, try right. things out, fail, fail yes. fabulously if we need yes. to. <laughs> and then, um, you can take that and, then make those tweaks, those uh, make those adjustments and then bring it to her God speaks. And it's an even better product because it's not just coming from your heart and your mind, but from, you know, the community mastermind, if you will, that yeah. you created at the church. I love that. Yeah. And I think that shows, I mean, here on the Journey Ruth podcast, we're all about discipleship and finding that community that's going to support you. And um, I, I think that's a push and pull in, in the church world right now, parachurch versus, you know, in the church. And I love that you're saying they're not, they're not competitors, right? Right. They, they have to work hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Friends, are you signed up for the inside look yet? The inside look is our monthly newsletter where we let you know what's happening with the podcast. We start each month with a short devotional. Then we pack the rest with important information for you, the listener. When we need listener input for a future podcast, the questions and submission information are in the inside look. When we have an upcoming Patreon chat information, it's in the inside look. And the inside look is the first place you will see information on our upcoming merch store. 
Our newsletter friends and our patrons, of course, will be the first to know when the shop will open and what is available. We also will be offering a special code for our newsletter recipients when the shop opens. So if you haven't signed up for the newsletter yet, make today the day. Head over to journeyofruth.com slash newsletter and sign up so you don't miss any of the exciting things coming in the Journey of Ruth community. Online, you take some really hard to understand <laughs> like uh, things or moments and then you add humor to them, which I think kind of makes them a little more digestible. And then you also give us like either a, you know, a, a paragraph or so that kind of more deeply explains what you're talking about. Um, <clears throat> so one of the things that we see is that doctrine is really important to you. Um, can you define doctrine for us and tell us like, okay, as a believer, what is it and why should I care about it? <laughs> yeah. Um, first of all, we need to disarm this word. Doesn't it sound so scary? And it does. Yes. Doctrine. I feel like you should you have to say that doctrine. Um, well, it sounds like I, something that only the, the pastor needs to be yeah, like, like yeah. you know, concerned about. Yeah. Absolutely. And then as little guys down in the pews, we're like, hmm, that's, that's very terrifying. Yes. Uh, and yeah, it's actually really simple. The meaning it simply means instruction or teaching. Mm. Uh, for us as Christians, it's specifically the teaching uh, or instruction of the Bible, which we believe is the authoritative word of God. And the reason why it's so important is because it undergirds everything that mm. we say, uh, and believe as Christians. So you might take something as, as basic as a statement. Um, I believe in God. All right. Most people wouldn't be like, Oh, that's doctrine. No, but think about it. You say, I believe in God. Well, what is the nature of belief, right? Uh, what God are you talking about? Hmm. What he like, Right. So there's all of those things loaded into that very simple statement or something like we say all the time. I love Jesus. I don't think anybody would say, oh, that's deep doctrine. But all right. So who is Jesus? Uh, how do you know him? Why do you love him? Right. So mm -hmm. all all of those follow up questions that are loaded into what we would say is like so simple, so basic. All of that is doctrine. Mm -hmm. Um and so you're right. There's this idea that doctrine is something that it, that like really smart, boring <laughs> people sit around and debate, you know, particularly in Bible colleges or seminaries, or I don't know, I think of a bunch of like, um, cage stage Calvinists with their craft beer sitting around <laughs> doctrine. Um, That's right. <clears throat> but, um, it's, it, it's the most practical thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, because everything we read about God, everything we sing about God, everything we say about God, everything we think about God, all of it is doctrine. We may not call it that, but that's what it is. And the hope of course, is that it would be sound doctrine, that it would mm -hmm. accurately reflect what the Bible reveals about, um, about God. So, so, yeah. Okay. So, so in order to figure out what doctrine is like, do I have to go to seminary? Do I like, how, do, how do I figure that out? What, what doctrine is in my life? Well, there's a couple of different things. So doctrine, I mean, all you have to do is open your Bible and start reading every okay. truth you come across mm -hmm. is doctrine. 
all of its teaching, all of its instruction. So in that sense, absolutely not. Now, you want to start start systematizing your doctrine. So you start putting it in categories. So soteriology, doctrine of salvation, or theology proper, doctrine of God, or all those things. That's where it might be helpful to like take a class, whether it's at your church or whether it's at a seminary or whether it's online. Um, So there's ways of systematizing it, of organizing it. Those organizational methods, I think are what you get kind of the, you know, the good stuff you get from some of the more, um, I guess, structured educational environments, but no, like just open your Bible and start reading. And, and all of that, that you're taking in, um, would fall under the category of doctrine. And I think sometimes the, the high mindedness of theology comes from like, if you go into Barnes and Noble and say, can you show me to the theology section? Every book is going to be at least like two inches thick. Oh, big. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like big you don't. Words. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, like what was the word you use? So, soteriology. Uh, soteriology. Yeah. Soteriology. And what's, what's the, the thing is when you get into the theology world and you start reading those big books, then you start, those words become so commonplace to you and you forget that like nobody knows what that means. I have to constantly <laughs> not use those words. Or if I'm going to use them, I got to define them mm-hmm. um, because I just teach like normal people like that, like yeah. just regular people. They don't, you know, necessarily know uh, these words. So, well, yeah. and it was funny a couple of weeks ago. Um, so my husband and I, we are a mentor couple in the college ministry at our church and our college minister did a wonderful thing. He opened up, um, to the students, any questions that they wanted to ask. And then, um, he took all those questions and he created like, um, you know, kind of grouped them together and created like a six week series where we focused on some of those questions. And one of them was theology. What is it? And why is it important? Ah. And I I was like, and he's like, so we're going to do that on this Sunday. I'm like, you're going to put all theology into one Sunday. (laughs) Sure. And he did. I am telling you, like, it was like a, uh, you know, it was very top level. But Uh basically, I mean, he just flew through a bunch of the different things that that you might hear if you were talking about theology with someone. Um, But one of the things that he did is he threw out all of these other words. And he's like, does anyone know what eschatology means? Does anyone know what bodilology, bodilology? I mean, all the ologies. All the ologies. And I made fun of my friend because she was sitting behind me. She's another one of the mentor women in there. And she went to Bible college. Okay. So he's like, does anyone know what this is? And she's like, it's the study of Christ. Does anyone know what this is? It's the study of the Holy <laughs> Trinity. It like, and I turned around, I go, you are such a nerd. Such a nerd. <laughs> nerd alert. <laughs> I said that. I go, nerd alert, nerd alert. I mean, but it's true. Now, I've been, she and I have taught together for many years, and she knows all those words, but she never uses them, right? right. She would use a, a better description of it. So I think it's important to remember that we can talk about doctrine and we can discuss doctrine without having to sound like, um, you know, we're speaking a totally different language. Right. And yeah. so I love that you're saying the first thing you, first place you can start is in scripture. Yes. Which you don't need any schooling to go to scripture. You don't need any schooling to go to scripture. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's. I do think, and I know you're really big on this. I do think you need a community of faith. I think you need mm-hmm. the church. Why to, is that important? Uh, well, I'm sure all of your listeners 
and viewers have noticed the Bible is very complicated. It was written a very, very long time ago. Mm-hmm. It was written for us, but it was not originally written to us. It was written to people in a different culture who had a completely different um, lens through which they viewed the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it takes, it does take some teaching and some instruction and some guidance and some help to navigate this giant book that we have. And so, and that's, I think the main function of the church and of preaching and of teaching and of community is to help guide us through this book full of revelation of who our God is and how he works. And so I, I know that there are people that say, you know, all you need is the Holy spirit. And I mean, my goodness, we can't, this isn't illuminated apart from the Holy spirit, but that's just not true. We need the church. We need mm-hmm. brothers and sisters in Christ to come alongside and help us to rightly divide this, mm-hmm. um, this book and to understand it. So, so yeah. And I think you've seen both in, I mean, you have seen or heard, I have heard stories of, of God revealing, like you said, through the Holy spirit, um, texts, you know, to people who don't even have the Bible and right. uh, which is beautiful. But then one of the other things, the end of those stories is always like, you know, we have this. Can we talk about it? Can can you teach me about this word that I have? Mm-hmm. I know that I have it. I know that I believe it. What do you see in this? So n- even those people that the, the Holy Spirit has like, you know, given them that word or revealed something to them. The thought of sitting in community with people and talking about that word that God revealed to them, there's nothing more exciting or more energizing really? than that. So I, I see that in the way that people respond, um, whether they have the word through community or have the word through you know, the Holy Spirit revealing it to them, whatever it might be. But there's just something about sitting there, you know, with brothers and sisters in Christ and learning. And one of the, I think the beautiful things is when you tell me your perspective on, on what God taught you in that verse. And then I'm like, really? Cause I took it like this. Right. And you know, okay. That yes, there's heresy. There's like, yeah, actually that's not what it means because in context, blah, blah, blah. But most of the time that's not the case. Most of the time it's like, wow, I did not see that. Thank you so much for giving me your perspective. Cause we all look at it through our own lenses, Right. right? our own glasses. And now this doctrine that we're creating, it is something that a lot of people can, there's a reason why you've got that group of guys sitting around their craft beers discussing (laughs) because doctrine is not the same uh, uh, totally between churches. Uh, Is that like a problem in your opinion? How does that difference in doctrine happen? All right. I love this question. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, (laughs) So doctrine is, uh, it's really important for us to realize that not all doctrines are on the same level. All right. And the illustration I like to use is, uh, I don't know, year ago, a little over a year ago, my husband and I renovated our kitchen and there we just finished that project. Yeah. (laughs) It's wonderful when it's done. It is. And you feel terrible complaining because you're like, that is the quintessential first world problem. Right? <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's hard. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we had this wall. It's not very wide, but um, it's wall we wanted to remove because it it kind of divided our dinette area from our kitchen and I just wanted it all open. 
Mm-hmm. So super excited about having this wall removed about three hours into demo day. I get a call from our contractor and it starts with the words, I've got some bad news. I'm like, Oh, oh. and the bad news was they got into that wall and they realized there's this thick load bearing beam of course in the wall <laughs> of course mm-hmm. um and and if any anybody who's watched even a little bit of HGTV <laughs> you know what that means that's right that's right you know that we had to uh we had to move on to a plan B because we did not have $10,000 to uh add to <laughs> the budget yeah. to reinforce that so we ended up having to keep uh having to keep the beam Otherwise we would have compromised the entire structure of our home. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so some doctrines are like that beam, they are load bearing doctrines. So if you start to mess with those, you start to rethink those doctrines, then the entire structure of the Christian faith, uh, is going to start caving in on itself. And some examples of those Mm. would be, um, the full deity and humanity of Jesus. I mean, that's like so essential. Our Jehovah's witness friends talk a lot about Jesus, but they do not affirm the full deity and humanity of Jesus. Same with our Mormon friends. Um, so that is a distinctly Christian idea. You can't let go of that one. Um, the virgin birth, of course, the bodily resurrection of Jesus, the authority of scripture, justification by faith, alone that we can't save ourselves. We can't work ourselves toward this, the, the triune nature of God, father, son, spirit, sinfulness of mankind. So all of those like, um, core doctrines are, are, are non-negotiable and to identify them. Is there the doctrines that have been settled and agreed upon by the church, like the big C church universal, Mm -hmm. um, throughout the world for like hundreds and hundreds of years. They're the doctrines that show up in our oldest creeds, like the apostles creeds, uh, you know, those kinds of things. So, um, like, Which, like oh, whether or not you can have tattoos or not does not show up in there. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. not. Because not all <clears throat> that would not be a load bearing yeah. doctrine. Right. Um, and it doesn't, those, those doctrines that aren't load bearing, it doesn't mean that they aren't important. Mm-hmm. Right. It just means that there's not quite as much clarity in scripture. There's not as much consensus throughout church history. Um, so there's some room for some different interpretations. And, yeah. and with that, the possibility of sitting around with a bunch of people debating, you know, uh, changing your mind, which over- some people love, some people don't. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it just totally depends on your personality. I don't That's like right. debating things. Oh, good. Me I neither. Love- My husband loves it. Yeah. I yeah. just, it's real. I get a little anxious. But, I do too. <laughs> um, yeah. but I've, I've definitely changed my mind about some doctrines. Uh, okay. You know, over the years, I know end times, the big word would be eschatology. It's just end times. Mm-hmm. Your view of end times. I grew up in a like staunchly dispensational church subculture. Um, that's another big word. So think left behind series. All right. Or left behind movies. Um, those mm-hmm. were loved in my, in my world. Uh-huh. Um, and pretty much believed to be an accurate reflection of how things are going to go down. Um, that's not wrong. That's fine. But over time, um, I have come to, uh, see things a, a little bit differently. I'm less and less convinced that there's going to be a rapture. Still not sure about that, but you know, that's a big, big shift okay. in, 
in my thinking over time. In fact, a lady at Bible study yesterday, she stopped me and she said, have you ever thought about teaching the book of revelation? I would just love that. And I was like, I don't think you would actually. <laughs> I'm not your girl. I'm not, you your don't girl. know, but I think you and I have some, uh, differing responses or ideas here. And uh, like, yeah. I would challenge too many of your presuppositions, but, mm. um, anyway, so that would be one example of, of, a very, I mean, in, in time, so it's not, un, it's not unimportant. It's very yeah. important, but there's a lot, there's some room for different views and different interpretations. Another one would be biblical womanhood. Um, mm, yeah, I used to be a, a pretty strict, uh, complementarian. That's another big word. It just means that I, I held to a, a pretty rigid top-down hierarchy, uh, in which men do the leading and women come alongside as helpers. Um, so very distinct role assignments. And of course there's a strong biblical argument, um, mm -hmm. that, that has been and can, and can be made for that. Um, but as I've gotten just better at researching, exploring historical and cultural contexts of scripture, um, as I've kind of emerged from my little strict complementarian bubble and actually met people who mm -hmm. like have a different view and like, lo and behold, also love the Bible as much as I do. And, and have a high view of scripture. Um, I'm definitely landing on a, on a softer, the, so, the softer end of, of a complementarian perspective to the extent I'm not as comfortable with that label okay. anymore. Also not comfortable with men and women just being interchangeable. So I don't, I don't know what I am. Which I, that I, would I'm, be fully <laughs> egalitarian, right? Right. So I'm not, yeah. I, I don't think that's a incredibly a compelling vision of, of gender, but but that's just an example of where I've kind of moved. Um, and, and, and still things are kind of in, in, in movement there. I, mm -hmm. I wrote a, a Bible study and did a whole podcast series on the worth of women in the storyline of the Bible. So it wasn't about that mm -hmm. per se, yeah. but even in that stage, just two years ago, and there's some things that I wrote that I'm a little less sure about now. And, and that's because that's not, uh, that's not a, load-bearing doctrine. Now it mm -hmm. does bear load. It's not unimportant, but there's a little bit of room for, mm -hmm. for different interpretations. Um, yeah. of those. so those non-load-bearing or non-essential doctrines are often called second or third tier mm -hmm. doctrines. So what that means is, is like you and I both be passionate followers of Jesus and, and hold different views yeah. on, on those things. Second tier issues are what divide us denominationally. So that would be like our view of the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's supper, uh, church government, the roles, um, that men and women have, can men, can women be pastors? Can they not be pastors, uh, work of the Holy spirit, right? So that's why we have different denominations. It's not bad, but these are important enough doctrines that we would actually divide denominationally Correct. over them. And then third tier issues don't divide us denominationally. They just make for lots of uncomfortable conversations in small group. <laughs> So that would be our view of the end times, maybe how do it, how you interpret Genesis one and two, like your view of like age of the oh, earth. Yeah. Type of age, thing. yeah. New, new world versus old world, new world versus old, old earth, uh, views on alcohol yeah. would fall into that as well. So, yeah. um, and taking a tiered approach to doctrine and theology is so helpful. Hmm. Um, kind of why, why is it so helpful? Because there are hills worth dying on. And then there are hills that are so not worth dying on. Hmm. Um, and being able to discern that, uh, I mean, there are, are pastors who have, who've gone, uh, to churches that desperately needed their gifts and their abilities, but, but were driven out by that church because they have a different view on alcohol. 
right? Yeah. Yeah. So like that stuff kind of, that kind of stuff happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Things are dividing churches and dividing believers that, um, while worth thinking about and worth studying and worth researching, they're just, they're not load bearing. They're not Mm -hmm. things that are, are worth, um, creating division over. And especially in our polarized culture. I mean, oh my goodness, just go on Twitter for like five minutes. (laughs) Um, people do not understand theological, these, these, this tiered approach to theology nearly as well, uh, as, as we should. And Mm -hmm. I honestly, I'm getting to the place where I'm like, you know what, when it comes to particularly those third tier issues, if we're not changing our mind over time, we're probably like gotten ourselves in this nice little comfy echo chamber where we're just listening to the same thing over Mm -hmm. and over. And maybe like pick up a book by somebody that thinks a little bit differently, a a believer who still has a high view of scripture, but, you know, sees that particular thing from a a, a different angle or a different way uh, than you see it. Um, That's actually probably really healthy. And I think it's called learning, right? Like that's what learning is. It's being exposed to some of these different things and, um, you know, then, then processing, synthesizing it, and then, and coming out with your own um, kind of where you land, but okay. Holding- so there's this word like that's <clears throat> in culture deconstruction, <laughs> right? It's like yeah. all over basically. And it's like, <laughs> I feel like it's, um, one of those words that if like you were to go to your really strong Bible believing parents and you said, I am going through deconstruction, they would be like, Oh my gosh, I've lost my yeah. child. Anyway, uh, which it's, <laughs> just depends on who your parents are but um deconstruction meaning people are like um taking these faiths these doctrines that they have known since since they were a child and something challenges those doctrines and their entire faith falls apart yeah and um i think the reason why the word deconstruction a full deconstruction, think of it like a building, means that every little thing has been, you know, like destroyed, taken apart, and you are now just left with like dirt. And yeah. and you, now you don't know what you believe, where you believe, how to believe, where the right answers come from. Um, <clears throat> and that's why it's so scary. Right. Um, and since doctrine is where all of this stands, mm-hmm. How, like you said, I think it's good to change some of those doctrines. I think it's good to look at these other perspectives and these other thoughts. How do we explore those other doctrines? Those, you know, um, I don't know, maybe it is first tier, maybe it's second and third. Uh, and not, how do we do that and, and not feel like we're deconstructing or, uh, not feel like, oh my gosh, this one thing changed. This perspective on biblical womanhood just changed. And now I'm questioning everything. Yeah. yeah. How yeah. do we do that? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is anytime someone starts talking about deconstruction and you did a good job at defining what you mean by that, but that's always the first question, right? So what do you mean by deconstruction? Because some people deconstruct, um, with, out of a profound sense of uncertainty and doubt. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And that doesn't mean they're bad people. It's just like, and usually I find it's because of a very um, hard thing 
or hard season, hard life event that they've walked through. That's just, you know, challenge their faith. Yeah. Challenge their faith. Um, and then there's, there's other people that use deconstruction in a sense of really kind of reorienting in, in regards to those second and third tier issues. Right. So Mm -hmm. one thing, particularly with, um, biblical womanhood is a great example. Um, really thinking hard about, okay, what, what about these gender roles is cultural and what is biblical? Because a lot Mm. of things we've been taught are biblical are actually cultural. A lot of them flow from Greek philosophy, not from, um, the scripture per se. So, uh, you know, I think who was it? Um, Mm, somebody with gospel coalition, uh, Colin Hansen recently used a word disenculturalization, disenculturali- disenculturalization, which oh, wow. I'm not saying that should be entered into the conversation <laughs> harder than he can talking about hard words, <laughs> but he was just trying to, um, create a category for people who are deconstructing, but they're not doing so from a position of uncertainty or doubt in the Christian faith. They're doing so from a position of wanting to separate out what is cultural American Christianity from what is actual true biblical Christianity. Mm. And I think that's a really important distinction. And it's funny because I've always thought of deconstruction. It sounds so much like destruction. So if I've yeah. always thought of like, you're just taking a sledgehammer to everything, yeah. whether it's a load bearing doctrine or not. Um, and then I had, I've had actually a couple, like more than one more than two people DM me and say, I just love how you're deconstructing with such grace and faith. And I was like, am I like, I I was like, I didn't think I was, but I am like in the Hmm. last, like I'm getting better at research and Bible study and, and, um, which we should over time. Yeah. So I'm, I am changing my mind about some of these second and third tier, tier doctrines. I'm more convinced than ever of those first tier load-bearing doctrines. Mm. Um, so that's the funny thing with deconstruction. You enter into this conversation and you've got about five different definitions that people have, uh, of, of what it is. And I think it goes back to, are those load-bearing walls intact? Like when we did our kitchen, man, we knocked down everything mm. except, except those load-bearing beams that were keeping our house up. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there are some people even listening to this now, watching this now, they need, they need to take a hammer and there's a lot that needs to get rid of, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they were raised in a, it's extremely legalistic, um, church, or maybe the opposite extreme where it's like, nobody cares about holiness, just love Jesus, you know, like whatever, but yeah, we need to take that stuff down. Um, but I think being pushed to do it all at once like, yeah, it's been 20 years for mm-hmm. me to see the end times differently than I, you know, yeah. like this yeah. doesn't have to happen. We don't have to have a demo day, you know, like <laughs> you can just over time, as you study, as you read, as you learn, like you begin to chip away at some of those things that, um, maybe you were taught that for whatever reason, I don't know why, why pastors were teaching that, but it's not really a great reflection of Mm. what, what is taught in the scriptures. So I don't know if that really answers your question, but it's, it is an important question right now because it does feel like everybody's deconstructing, but I think 
the way people are using that word varies very much from person to person. I do think it's really important for us to remember because we, we all probably have friends who are deconstructing and some of them might be doing so in the very scary way, right? Just, just like everything's falling apart, ditch everything, not going to church, not reading the Bible. Exactly. So you need to remember that is the loneliest person in the world right now, Mm. because who that, that, that friend who's deconstructing doesn't have a soul that feels safe, that they feel like talk to. And the thing is like, for me, I want to be the person that can hold space for the doubt and the uncertainty because, because that person who's deconstructing is going to find somebody to listen and is going to find somebody to dialogue with. And I want it to be me. I want it to be somebody who isn't, I'm not going to freak out. I'm not even going to, at this point, give any advice or talk about what's true. I am just going to listen and I'm going to smile. And I'm going to shake my head and I'm going to hug you and I'm going to cry with you. And at some point we're going to get to have some good conversations. But when we freak out because our friend has used the D word um, and we're just like, I just got to speak truth into her. Well, you know what? That friend probably already knows the truth right? That's they're deconstructing Mm. truths that they've known forever. (laughs) So what they need right now is someone just to listen and hold space for this crisis, which probably has more to do with their actual life experience than it even does with the doctrines themselves. Mm. Um, And so that would be my one word of advice is just remember how lonely it is to deconstruct. Always be keeping that in mind. Um, And anybody, you know, who's in that season, like they need a friend. They need someone to love them and to listen and to hug them and to, you know, say, no matter what, I'm, I love you and I'm here and, um, you know, I'm going to walk alongside you in this. So, yeah. Wow. I, I hear that my heart almost just breaks as you're saying that, because I believe that's true. Um, I mean, that's one of the things that my husband and I always want to be is a place where our kids can be honest about the things they're struggling with. Um, and you know, so as a parent, I think that's something that we, you know, desire to be, but I think I wonder sometimes if we don't think about that in our friendships too, like you want to be that safe place. And it is, it's scary to go to someone and say, especially your friends that like, you were in youth group with and you got married around the same time and you've done Bible studies with and to go to them and say, I don't really know what I believe anymore. And, uh, I, (laughs) I had a friend that came to this, this point and, um, and the first phone call that we did, we just cried together. We just yeah. cried. I went out of the house. I have no idea what my kids were doing. Uh, I went and sat in my garden. My husband came home, uh, came around the the side of our house where our garden is. And here I am on the phone just bawling. Mm. And he's like, oh, my gosh, are you OK? I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> like, yeah. We're fine. But we needed this moment, you know, and she needed that moment. And um, but. So I, I hear you say that, and I know that's true. I know that's true. And there's fear <clears throat> because unfortunately, 
coming to this point of of there's doubt in my mind has been met with shame within the church and within church leaders. Yeah. And I love what you're saying of like, we've got to be a safe space for them to come to, because if not, they're going to go somewhere else and someone else is going to tell them, uh, you know, a lie that they're going to accept as truth. Yeah. That atheist because- down the street is going to listen really well and it's yeah. going to hold space for their pain and it is going to, is going to love them well. Yeah. And, and, and be conveying a very different message than, yeah. Yeah. Than we would for sure. Yeah. If someone's in this point where they are like unsure, they've, they've reached a point of doubt and they're like, I'm not sure that what I, um, believe is true anymore. Where do you suggest they go first? I mean, you've given instruction to those of us that like, I have friends coming to us, but what Mm -hmm. if I'm that person and I'm scared and I don't know what to do or who to go to? What's your suggestion? I would find that safe believer. And Mm. I say that knowing that not everybody has that in their life, Mm. um, which is heartbreaking. Yeah. But assuming there's at least one person, um, that is going to be able to keep their junk together when you sit there and say, I don't know if any of this is true, struggling to believe it, any of it, um, that would be, because the thing is like, you know, and you probably heard it before, like if you're going to deconstruct, you cannot deconstruct alone. Like you need to do it alongside people that, um, first of all, you got to humble yourself and realize you, you, you're not, you don't know it all. And, Mm. and all these people who do believe this, they're not a bunch of idiots, right? Like, um, and so just be willing not only to learn, uh, from those who have already deconstructed and are sounding very wise to you right now, but also continue to be willing to learn from those who are pretty secure in, um, in their faith. And so, yeah, I think it just starts with finding that. And you know what, when you're deconstructing, it's going to be a tiny, tiny community, but you still got to have that community. Mm. It might be one person, two people, three people, um, but just somebody that can come alongside and love you and pray for you and help you find answers to your questions um, that aren't just a Google search. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so that would be, it's got to find somebody for sure. Um, do you have, I know that, you know, we talk about discipleship being one-on-one, but then discipleship can also happen through um, books and through, you know, so some people will say like, A.W. Tozer discipled me. Well, A.W. Tozer has been dead for many years, Uh, but his writings have helped inform a lot of of how they look at scripture or how they look at their life. Um, Do you have books uh, you on your on Instagram? You have your what do you call it? Resource Wednesday. Resource Wednesday. That's it. Do you have any resources for those of us that are looking to either like check what we've been taught doctrine wise or to define maybe like we've got a new Christian listening and they're like, I don't even know what my doctrine is. And I I need to define that. Do you have any suggestions? Do I have suggestions? (laughs) I do No. Um, so the book that I recently got. Okay, wait, hold on. I didn't even prepare you for this question. And you've got the books right there. I've got a stack right here. <laughs> I've got a stack. I mean, talk about doctrine. I'm like, she's got to, got to tell her about some books. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this one, so good, especially for those who are in any, any spectrum of the deconstruction, s- struggling, questioning, you're seeing those mm-hmm. anti-Christian 
atheist memes show up and you're like, uh-huh. maybe they're right. Right. Like we all see that. And uh-huh. right. this book right here, I first heard about it from Tim Mackey of the Bible project. They actually had the author, Dan Kimball on one of their podcast episodes, but it's okay. called how not to read the Bible. Um, and I love this, this, uh, subtitle it's making sense of the anti-women anti-science pro-violence pro-slavery and other crazy sounding parts of scripture. Wow. <laughs> what it essentially is, is, a uh, um, biblical hermeneutics, like how to interpret the Bible, how to, you know, these weird wacky verses, um, like, what do we do with those? How do we send, uh, just categorize those. And so it is, we're actually reading this as, um, a family. Well, not my eight-year-old, but with my 13-year-old, we keep it on the dinner table and we just read a little section every night. I am loving it, but really trying to prepare him right now. He's in this little like Christian dream world. He goes to a Christian school, Christian home church. Um, he's not always going to be in that. Mm. And somebody someday is going to be like, the Bible's crazy. They're pro slavery and, you know, God hates women and blah, blah, blah. And so just trying to get ahead of that a little bit. Um, but this is just excellent. Cannot okay. recommend I didn't. Again, it's Dan Kimball, How Not to Read the Bible. I love that you're preparing your son, though, because a friend of mine that does college ministry, I asked her, what do you wish students uh, knew before they came? And she said, I wish they knew what they believed and why they believed it. Yeah. Because they get to college and everything they've, like you said, you're like, it's not bad to like protect your children, but at some point in time, they are going to go out in the world by themselves and everything they've learned is going to be challenged. And so you're giving him the why they believe it, right. not just the what. Yeah, yeah exactly. And just how to think about scripture. Yeah. Um, because again, this is one thing I try to convey with Her God Speaks. This is an ancient text. All right. So it was written for us, for believers in every generation for all time, but we are not the original audience. It was not written to us. And that one principle right there can save you so much from so much crazy. Yeah. (laughs) And and so much just bad, uh, teaching, um, and, and just, uh, kind of, an, an incomplete understanding of scripture. If you're, if you're willing to, um, put it in its context, not just, I think we're pretty good at putting it in its literary context. Uh, I think most of us, if you've been to a Bible study, that's even halfway decent. You've learned that much. Don't just yeah. read a verse, read a chapter, read the whole book. Yeah. Um, but the importance of both the historical and cultural context as well is so huge. And, um, you know, so, so this book kind of grapples with that a little bit. Okay. Authors just fun. Like it's mm. not a boring boring book, but, um, so that would be one that I would highly recommend, uh, another book. And I don't have it because I have the Kindle edition, but Amy Gannett, um, G A N N E T T. She has written a book called fix our eyes. And the subtitle Mm. is how our study of God shapes our worship of him. And what I love about her book, she is, you think I'm passionate about doctrine. She like makes me look pathetic, uh, <laughs> very passionate about doctrine theology. <clears throat> She's incredibly good at teaching it, but I, I love her book because it it's in essence, a, a very basic systematic theology book, 
Mm-hmm. But the whole thrust of the book is how we need to connect these doctrines to our worship of God. So connecting wow. and heart together um, is really the whole premise of the book. And so it's a great, just simple, really well laid out explanations of these, a lot of these core doctrines and connecting that with how we actually relate to God and worship God and love God. Mm -hmm. Um, her, she's a great follow on Instagram too, because she does these theology Thursdays. They're like five to 10 minutes and she just will just teach a a particular doctrine. And again, she's just, she's a really good teacher. She's really good at taking very lofty ideas and, and making them, making them make sense. Um, So, yeah. So those would be my two like doctrine books. I always throw this one out. (laughs) Women of the word by Jen Wilkin. Yes. You read this one. Yes. Um, And I'm sure you've told your listeners and viewers about it before. So this is a book about how to study the Bible. Most books about how to study the Bible are so boring. Like they're like broccoli, you know, you need them. Yeah. It's really hard to get down. This one is not. And that's why Mm. I love it. And um, it's just, just excellent. So awesome. And for listeners, I will put all of the um, names of these books and links to these books in the show notes on the website. Uh, So you can go and click on those. Um, I know Jeff is going to be so excited because I now have two new books to buy. Uh, (laughs) I already have Women of the Words. So um, see, it's only two books, not three. That's right. Works. Well, we have a question that we ask at the end of all of our podcasts. episodes. But before we do, how can people find you, find information about your podcast and your studies? Yeah. So they can go to hergodspeaks.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram at hergodspeaks. I'm sort of on Facebook, like it's there, but I don't have the time to manage that platform, but <laughs> yeah. at Her God Speaks there as well. And then any podcast app, you can just put in Her God Speaks into the search box and yeah. find me there. So yeah. yeah. Fabulous. Well, We've already talked about how it's best to live life in community. So who is it that has helped you along in your journey? I could name so many people. My mom is definitely, Mm. as far as the biggest influence on my life, just a faithful, I mean, just faithful walking with Jesus day by day over a very long period of time. Mm. And I mean, I got to wake up and see my mom out there reading her Bible um, has just faithfully prayed for me and my brother and now our children and just, um, just a beautiful godly woman. And her influence is definitely the the biggest, I think, uh, impact for sure. Fabulous. Yeah. Well, April, thank you for, for joining us today for, I don't know, kind of taking this really big subject and kind of breaking it down, making it a little bit easier to understand and then giving us actual like tools to help us understand it even deeper. Uh, Listeners, go check out her Instagram at Her God Speaks. I mean, start with the reels and (laughs) love her for that. And then be like, okay, now I got to check out these other things. Um, And but thank you for for just sharing what God has taught you and being open and honest with us um, so that we can, you know, learn from from how God has helped you to develop your faith in the last few years. Thanks for having me, Courtney. It was fun. This episode with April was so enjoyable to record and to edit. Who would have thought that talking about doctrine would be so fun? When I sat down to edit, I planned on only editing a small portion. And then I just ended up listening to the whole thing through. 
I hope you are encouraged to think about what doctrines you hold to, which doctrines you were taught as a child, which have changed as you've done more study, or which doctrines you've become more convinced of as you have matured in your faith. If you're new to a relationship with Jesus, I hope you will start diving into scripture, learning new doctrine through reading, and finding that Christian community that can help you understand your new faith on a deeper level. For more information on April and Her God Speaks, visit our website at journeyofruth.com. On our website, you will find show notes for all episodes, an opportunity to sign up for the podcast newsletter, links to help support the podcast, and information on how I can bless your church or community through speaking or teaching. If you're looking forward to more information on our merch store coming out very soon, make sure that you're signed up for our podcast newsletter because newsletter friends will find out first and there will be a special discount code only for our newsletter friends. This week, come say hi over on Facebook and Instagram, and it would mean so much to me if you would take the time to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast, and then click subscribe over on YouTube. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next Tuesday right here on the Journey of Ruth Podcast. Mm-hmm.